I love you. That was pathetic. Let's try one more time. I love you. There we go. That's better. That's better. I was afraid nobody's going to come tonight because it's snow. You know, people get spooky at the snow thing. But I know Tracy would, so I thought, well, I can preach to Tracy and uh, and go from there. This topic, we're going we're going through First Peter, and so we get to just go where we end up. We're at First Peter two thirteen through twenty. But this was a, a particular topic that came up a lot in the last couple of years uh, with the COVID uh, situation and uh, government um, restrictions in a variety of ways. And so I got uh, lots and lots of uh, discussions with people on this, what we're going to talk about tonight. So even though it's a little bit behind the, the, the thing, it'll, it'll still be uh, pretty fresh. First Peter 2, 13 through 20. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now remember, uh, this is written by Peter when Nero was the emperor of the Roman Empire and he was killing Christians, persecuting Christians, torturing them. Lots of tough stuff happening in the lives of believers. And he's writing this letter to Christians scattered all over uh, the, the area. He says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. This finds favor for if, the, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. What credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So in your notes, number one, all authority is given by God and is an extension of his authority. All, ex- all authority, whether we're talking about police, uh, presidents, governors, uh, whatever the authority is, all authority is an extension of God's authority and he is the one who has ordained it as it were. And so he gives it and he takes it away. He gives it and he takes it away. A classic example is in Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man on the planet Earth. Richest, most powerful, biggest army, conquering the, the known world at the, at the time. And, uh, it's, and he gets up in the morning, stretches, and he looks out over his kingdom and he says, Wow, look what I've done. And then... Daniel 4.31, while the word was in the king's mouth, he just got done saying, wow, look what I've done. A voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty. Sovereignty sovereignty is the word for control, leadership, authority. Sovereignty has been removed from you. You will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle. Seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is the ruler over the realm of mankind. He is the ruler over the realm of mankind, bestows it on whomever he wishes. 
This authority of God, he bestows it on whomever he wishes. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was ruling because of his own power. And so God says, sovereignty has been removed from you and you become a total crazy person uh, eating grass like a cow. Number two, there are four areas of God-ordained authority in our world, in our culture. Four areas of God-ordained authority that the Bible talks about. The first is the most obvious, that's government. And the various layers of government that there are. 1 Peter 2.13, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Human institution whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. And so God is the one who uh, gives kings, presidents, governors, uh, those individuals the right to rule. Second realm of authority are employers uh, who we work for, our bosses. Back in the time that Peter wrote, uh, it was masters and slaves. Uh, some may think that their bosses like us master, uh, but we don't do that now. It's employers and employees. First Peter 2.18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Ephesians 6.5, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, as to Christ. And then the, the third area is family. Family, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That uh, is a, I don't know if you knew that, but that makes me, my, my wife, my master, me, her slave. That it says he gave himself up for her. Now, Patty bosses me around quite a bit. And I'm, I'm usually pretty gracious about it, but occasionally... Just occasionally I'll say, woman, quit bossing me around. <laughs> and uh, we both have a good laugh when I say that because uh, it's not going to change. That's just kind of. The... So even tonight at dinner, she says, um, you know, the light upstairs doesn't work in the hall. I says, oh, yeah, I remember that. And she says, I've been telling you that quite a bit. In fact, my daughter, Sherry, has sort of joined in now on that that chorus, you know, the light upstairs doesn't work. And so occasionally I'll say, woman, quit bossing me around. First Peter 3, 1, in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands. Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents. Obey your parents. So that's a, a realm of authority and submission. And then the fourth is the church. The church, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. obey your leaders and submit to them. They keep watch over your soul as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. And so uh, there's a level of authority in the church. Uh, I mean, really nobody does what I say. And they'll say, ask me my opinion, my counsel, then I'll give that. And that's a, a basically a verse saying, it's a good place to seek God's will and wisdom is from those in your church that are teaching and, and um, the word of God. First Corinthians sixteen fifteen through 16, Stephanus has devoted himself 
for ministry to the saints, be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work of and labors. Number three in your notes, all authority has a realm of jurisdiction. So it's pretty easy to understand. That is, uh, I don't tell Steve's wife what to do. She's his wife. If he wants coffee, he says, uh, can I have some coffee? I don't ask her for coffee. I ask Patty for coffee and nobody else's wife. That's not my jurisdiction, as it were. If you have your kids with you and they're messing up, behave, misbehaving, I won't tell them to be quiet. They're not my kids. I may think in my head, I wish their parents would make them be quiet, but I'm not going to do anything. That's not my, my realm. I have a realm of jurisdiction. And so all authority has a realm of jurisdiction. Now, back when the COVID thing was taking place, I told a little, gave a little illustration about government and their jurisdiction. And I use this little story. Pastor Mike preaches on weekends. And I said to him, and I'm making this up, you can't sleep with your wife because she's a school principal and she's exposed to a lot of kids with sickness and you're liable to get sick and it'll mess everything up. So no sleeping with your wife. So, quick question. Is he going to do what I say? Huh? I don't think so. Why? I'm his boss. It says right there, be in subjection to your boss. And I said, don't sleep with your wife. You'll get sick and then we'll be in a jam. He's not going to listen to me. Well, he's disobeying scripture. So, you all laugh. You think, yeah, that's stupid. That's not my jurisdiction, his family. And so every authority has a level or a sphere of jurisdiction. And outside that, they have no authority given to them from God. All they can exercise is threats or intimidation or other such things. Number four, almost all authority tries, tries to exercise their authority outside the realm of their jurisdiction. It's the lust for power that is in every person, every institution. So you've heard this statement. Government never goes backwards. They make laws and they control more and more and more. And they never get together, really, and say, Oh, you know, we've gotten too big. Let's shrink back. Never happens. And not just in government, but in families and in jobs and in churches. The lust for power, the desire to control is in every individual. And it always is seeking greater control, greater authority, not less. That's just the way the world is. Number five, there are times when we can and ought to be unsubmissive to authorities in our life. Times, not general rule, but occasional times in situations. So I'll read some in Scripture. You, 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 you know these, all of them. Acts 4.18, this church just began, and uh, the disciples, the apostles were preaching, and they got arrested, thrown in jail, beaten, whipped, 
scourged for preaching. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now this is the government. Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. And so they went out and continued to preach in spite of the command of the government not to. Acts 5.28, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. Daniel 6.10, Daniel was commanded not to pray. And it says, Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house... Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day. Now, the law that had been signed was a command not to pray to anybody except to the king. He continued on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, and he had been, as he had been doing previously. Then these men, the ones that wanted to get him in trouble, came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then the king gave orders. I'm skipping some verses here. Then the king gave orders. Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. And then after they opened up the door to the uh, den, as it were, my God, um, Daniel speaking, has sent, sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king... I've committed no crime. So Daniel disobeyed the king, thrown into the lion's den, and survived. Exodus chapter 1, verse 16. Uh, the people, the nation of Israel, were commanded to uh, kill their boy babies. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth, you see them upon the birth stool. If it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then, you sh- then, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and let the boys live? Midwi- the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the mid- midwife can get to them. So God was good to the win- midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. So those are examples of being unsubmissive to uh, authorities. And the reason was is because they were opposite of what God's word said on how to live. Number six, being free to act independently of authorities in our life is a right given to us by God. It's a right given to us by God. But But it is important that we don't abuse that freedom but use it to glorify God. And so we have been created by God as free. We were set free from spiritual forces when we became believers. And so Peter says, For such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. Act as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. Use it as bond servants of God. <clears throat> I uh, 
most of you have kind of heard this little part of my life. And way back when I was farming, um, I borrowed money and bought 40 registered Guernsey cows. I was farming with my dad, and we had some conflict. He'd like to do things the way they did it in 1906, and uh, I wanted to get a little bit more modern. And so I decided to farm on my own, bought the cows, started the dairy. And on the trip from Idaho to Trout Lake, they picked up a disease in the truck. And then a couple of months, half the cows died. And so I was left making payments for the loan that I got with half the number of cows. Sold them back to my dad. And I was up to debt in my eyebrow. Uh, to my, I mean, I just owed a ton. I owed over $100,000 and I was 21 years old. And... Uh, so I went down and got, uh, took, went to a class and got a license to blow up stuff with dynamite. And I got a job with a construction company that they, they did that. So I went to work for the company, and the, the guy I worked with, his name was Doc, Doc McMahon. Uh, Irish, meanest, orneriest guy that God has ever created since Adam. Uh, he was imp- difficult to work with. I would... Well, I won't tell you all the details. He just was a mean, cranky kind of guy. It was tough working with him. So we traveled all over the state of Oregon and Washington drilling uh, uh, rock uh, quarries and road construction, various things. We had a job in La Grande. And between jobs, we would take the bits. There's a two-inch hole that drills. There's a big bit. And we would take all the bits to this place and have them all sharpened. And so they were sharp for the next job. We drove all of our equipment over to La Grande. We got over there, and we had no bits they were in the shop in Hood River. And so just about the time we got everything unloaded and got ready to go, we discovered no bits. The big boss, Mr. Dirkop, drove up. He said, why are you guys standing around here not drilling? And Doc said, D forgot the bits. It was not my job. He took the bits in. He forgot the bits. But he said, D forgot the bits. So... Mr. Durkop threw me his keys, said, go get the bits, drive as fast as you can, but don't get a ticket in my pickup. And if you get there and they're closed, you just wait until they open. So I drove. It was a five-hour drive. I pulled in. It was closed. I went to sleep in the front seat of the pickup. Pretty soon, oh, about midnight there was a knock on the window and the guy says hey I got your bits here so he put them in and I headed back I got there right at daylight and we had the bits and I said I'm going to take a nap and Doc said no we got to start drilling so I drilled all day after having driven all night and uh, two weeks later I was doing some stuff with the machinery and the big boss Mr. Durkop was there and he says by the way I found out that it was Doc's responsibility to pick up the bits. And he says, I was quite impressed with you that you didn't say anything, uh, but went and got them and came back with them. And he says, I'm going to give you a raise. And a couple weeks later, he gave me a promotion. A couple weeks later, he gave me another raise. And I made a lot of money on that job and paid off all my debts. Um, You see that line there? It says, Such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. It was about a month later after that event 
that the track, we had a track, it was like a little cat with a big boom on it. With the, it was a jackhammer type of affair with a big air compressor, and that's what we drilled the holes with. And we were in a shaley area, and the track came off the cat. Came off, and so we jack it up, and he's under there trying to get it back on, and it came off the jack, and the big boom had a spike on it about this long and about oh, an inch in diameter, and it was situated in such that when it came off the jack, that spike went through his leg all the way through, one inch. And so he's yelling like crazy, and I get the jack and jack it up and pull his leg off and get the first aid kit and put a bunch of gauze and stuff around the two wounds where it's bleeding, wrap it up really good, and, and he passed out. He was a big dude, not quite as big as Tracy, but close. And so I got him up on my back. It was a quarter mile down to our truck, packed him down the Shaley Hill, got him in the truck, drove him to the hospital, to emergency. And the doctor said, if you'd have been 30 minutes later, he would have died of a blood clot. So from that point on, Doc thought I was God. (laughs) He treated me so nice. Nobody else did he treat like he treated me. By doing right, you silence. You silence the ignorance of foolish men. You know the cool thing? I told that story years later at a camp, and a guy came up to me, and he said, you're talking about Doc, weren't you? I said, yeah. He was my neighbor. Really? And he said, shortly after you quit working and went to college here at Corbett and Western Baptist Bible College, he got cancer and died. But right before he died... He trusted Christ as his Savior. And he said, he quoted you all the time. And I thought, huh, how cool is that? Number seven, a big deal to God is that we honor and respect authorities no matter how abusive they are. It's a big deal to God that we honor and respect authorities no matter how abusive they are. So my dad was in the Navy for 22 years. He went through the Second World War, and this was a big deal to him. I'm not sure it was any more big deal to God than it was to my dad. I lipped off to a school teacher once, my math teacher. It wasn't a big deal. It was just kind of a you know kid uh, thing, talking to teacher, and it got back to my dad. Now, we, uh, my brothers and I, Matt, uh, my uh, three older boys, two milked, one slept in. When you milked, you got up at 4.30. When you slept in, you got up at 7. Big difference. Milk two mornings, sleep in third. Milk two mornings, sleep in third. Wow, I love that. Dad said to me when he heard about what I had said to the science teacher, you are not sleeping in again for the rest of your life. And if you lip off to a teacher anymore, then uh, we're going to start milking at 3. And I said, oh, Never again. Well, it didn't follow through. I only went a couple months not sleeping in, but that was enough. Uh, so God says the same thing. First Peter 2.17, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. So this is a big deal to God, and he will reward or pull reward, blessing, on the basis of how we do in this area of life. That is honoring, honoring people. Number eight, the primary way we honor or dishonor other people is with our words. So the Bible says, husbands, honor your wives. Children, honor your parents. Employees, honor your boss. 
And so honor is a big deal with God. He expects that we'll do that. And if we talk about what does that mean, it means we talk to people in a way that esteems them, honors them, values them. Ephesians 4.29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Colossians 4.6, Let your speech always be with grace, always seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Proverbs 22.11, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. Number nine, the power to influence, bless, honor, or damage other people through our words is huge. I've told you this story before, but when I was 12, I went hunting for the first time with my dad, and I carried an empty gun. No bullets. How fun is that? And dad said, you're going to hunt with me, and I'm going to watch you like a hawk. And if you do everything perfect as far as safety goes, next year you're going to get one bullet. And then the year after that, maybe we'll think about giving you a whole box. You got to understand how much damage you can do with that gun before I'll let you have a bullet. You can do more damage with your words than you can with a gun, really. Because a gun affects you physically. Our words affect people spiritually, psychologically. They do a huge amount of damage with what we say out of our mouth. Proverbs 10.22, the lips of the righteous feed many. 12.18, there is one who speaks rationally like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15.23, a man has joy and an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. Proverbs 25.11, like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Isaiah 50, verse 4, the Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary, the weary with a word. Number 10, the one, one of the most noble pursuits in life is to learn how to speak words that honor others. Learn how to speak words that honor others that give others value, that bolster other people's self-worth. It's not something we do easily, naturally. If you watch the news, have they got that one down? Giving honor to others? No. They have got ridicule uh, and sarcasm and accusing and lying They've got that down to an art. But to build others up, you don't hear very much of that. That's our culture, and it's getting more that way. And so if we're going to be people who speak words that give grace, that edify, that build up, it's going to be something that we have to work at and discipline ourselves to do. It takes great self-control, great self-control, thought and self-examination to improve our honor talk. Oh, I forgot Ecclesiastes 12, 11. I guess I skipped that. Sorry about that takes great self-control, there we are, self-control, self-control, thought, and self-examination to improve our honor talk. Our honor talk. And kind of a point of thinking about you. How do I do honor talk? And 
general conversation with people, peers, people at work, my boss, my wife, my husband, my kids, my parents. How do I do in honor talk? That is, people feel good, feel encouraged, feel feel built up because of the words we speak to them. Matthew twelve thirty six, and I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, by your words you shall be condemned. Colossians 3, 8, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth, abusive speech from your mouth. James 3, 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So self-control to say words that build up and honor other people. Number 12, if we dishonor other people, especially authorities or seniors, you know, God is especially uh, guards seniors in the sense of if you dishonor them, you'll pay a price. If you honor them, he will bless you. The words that we speak to those who are seniors, I'm one, 74 years old. I'm getting to be an old man, past senior even. Uh, here's a cool story, Second Kings 2.23. Then he, Elisha, went up from there to Bethel. He's a prophet of God, and he's an old guy, and he's bald. Sort of like some of you, not me, but... Young lads came up out from the city, mocking. Said to him, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. When he looked behind him, Elisha saw them. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. Two female bears came out of the woods and tore up 42 lads of their number. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. That seems a little severe, doesn't it? I mean, you know, bald head. They get eaten up by a bear. Why is that in the Bible? The Bible is written to teach us. Why is that in the Bible? I think it's there so that God wants us to understand a principle. He wants us to understand a truth. And so he sort of gives this big story to make a point. You dishonor a, a person, especially a senior, especially a senior that's not got much hair. You could get eaten by a bear. Probably won't happen, but understand what God thinks, what God values, what God rewards, what God doesn't reward. It's how we talk, how we talk to each other, how we bless people, how we build people up as opposed to tearing them down. This is especially true with authorities. Now we, um, when we were going through the COVID thing, the government said, don't meet. I don't know if you remember when uh, our governor said, if you see someone with more than three cars or two cars, I forget what it was, in front of their house, call the police. And so I wrote a letter to Governor Brown. I said, Governor Brown, I would like to invite you to my house for Thanksgiving. And just to let you know, we are going to have 25 people in my house. 
for Thanksgiving. And the law said no more than six. And that was not her jurisdiction, my house. And that wasn't her jurisdiction, this church. God's word says, don't forsake gathering together, as is the habit of some. So we met anyway. I called the Oregon State Police. I said, I see the law is that we're not supposed to meet. Uh, and if we do, uh, what will you do? And they said, nothing. We will not enforce that with churches. I called Marion County Sheriff's Department. I said, the law says we're not supposed to meet. If we do, what will you do? They said, nothing. We will not enforce that with churches. So we met. And we said, if you uh, want to wear a mask, that building, we'll put it over there. If you don't, this building. If you want to keep your kids in the gym, we'll just give you choices. We're going to have it so you can watch it on television. You can listen on your radio. You can come in here. You can go over there. You can go over there. Act as free men. And so the basic principle we had, we're not going to boss you around, tell you what to do, what you can't do. It's your choice. And so we disobeyed the governing authorities, but we didn't talk mean, obnoxious, rude. Um, We gracefully said, no, thank you. Uh, Without saying, you jerk. What's wrong with you? We're not going to do what you said. Do you know what would have happened if they put Daniel in the lion's den? And when they put him in the lion's den, just before they closed the door, Daniel says, you're a dirty, rotten king. and I'm not going to do what you say. I'll pray when I want to pray. They'd have taken the lid off the lion's den, and there would have been nothing but bones left. And we would have no book of Daniel. But because Daniel said, long live the king, bless the king. Now we have the book of Daniel, and he survived. So God gives a command, honor the king, honor the king. And so you can disobey, but you do it with a smile. And graciously, not obnoxious, not telling off. Um, 13, being one of God's favorites is a good place to be if you want to enjoy life and bear much fruit. I have a t-shirt. I love it. It says, God loves everybody, but I'm his favorite. Uh, some of you may be in that category. I don't know. First Peter two eighteen through 20. For this finds favor. This finds favor with God. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, what credit is there if you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor, favor with God. You become one of God's favorites. That means everything goes well. Everything's cool. Now, uh, I was prepared to have a prison ministry. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I thought, well, I'm the pastor. If If we get in trouble and they arrest me, put me in jail. We'll have a Bible study. And uh, I would have smiled and said, Hey, good to meet you dudes. How are you in here? And uh, you want to study the Bible? Done a little witnessing. You do what you do, but 
in the process you understand that things may be difficult and you respond to that graciously uh, if you want to be God's favorite. Now, if you don't care about being God's favorite, then throw a fit. Um, But I like being his favorite because he gives strength, he gives joy, he gives peace, he gives open doors, he gives opportunity when you do things his way. And so we were at the point where we were going to not do what government said, but if there was consequences for it, it's, okay, Lord, you're in charge. We'll take it. We'll do whatever you want with a smile. And but turned out that nothing negative happened. So it was cool, but I, uh, I was ready. And I was determined I would do it positively, graciously, with no fussing, no yelling, um, just to live life on purpose, following God, and then know that he would bless if we did that. And he did. And now we're on the back side of it, and we can just tell stories and smile and say, wow, that was fun. So it's a determination in our head how we're going to act in relationship with people. It's something we decide ahead of time. I'm going to do like this or in choosing to be gracious in our speech, choosing to honor everyone uh, and not to be negative, not to be critical, not to complain, not to whine, not to fuss, rejoice always, complain and grumble about nothing, Uh, And do what's right. By doing what's right, we silence the ignorant of foolish men and God favors us and he opens up doors and grants us opportunity. But the key thing is he gives us joy. He gives us joy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray that we would always live our lives with great freedom because you set us free. You set us free. But that we wouldn't use that freedom as a license to do what we want, but we would use it to glorify you, to please you, to serve you, to bless people, to influence people to faith in you. And Lord, we thank you for the power you give us to live life in the right way. The strength of your spirit that lives in us. We can have the self-control to talk graciously, to honor people and to live life without uh, grumbling and complaining and without feeling sorry for ourselves. We love you. We look forward to getting into heaven, seeing you, getting our new body. In the meantime, use us for your glory in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.